this morning I, I spoke on um, fact-filled faith and I, I covered some areas um, through the Bible to, to try and help people understand that the Bible is more than just a book and gave some practical reasons, whether it be a few archaeological, a few uh, historical facts, um, some uh, things with bubble numerics, some of you may not have known about. And, uh, but as I said in closing this morning, and this is what I want to take up tonight, if the word of God is the word of God, then it will transform a life. Okay. Um, I just want to read this scripture to you, and it's out of um, Romans 12, verse 2. And it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is, sorry, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And it talks about a transformation that actually can take place. So I just want to briefly share with you tonight my story and the impact that the Word of God has actually had on my life. Some of you heard my story before, and, uh, but it's to the glory of God and what God is able to do and transform in a person's life. And I am eternally grateful. Um, I am, was probably a uh, very um, standard product of the uh, generation that came after the Second World War. Many men and women came back from that war, were deeply uh, wounded, not physically but mentally. And we saw an incredible rise in alcoholism and that sort of thing. So I don't think I'm alone in the kind of family that I grew up in. So I grew up in a, an alcoholic uh, home uh, to the point where my father was uh, intolerable to be in the home. So uh, he shifted out and my mother and my father became divorced uh, I was quite young, but I still remember the, the screaming matches and the, the things that went on in the home. My mother, bless her heart, um, who raised both myself and my sister, um, who did her incredible best and has given me an appreciation for single mums and what they do and what they go, go through and just they need to be encouraged and, uh, and, and stood up for and believed in and helped and whatever we can do. But my mum was a great mum. But unfortunately, she found the pressure of trying to raise two children, trying to work a job, um, overwhelming. And just from her own life and her own pain, um, that one night she decided to commit suicide. And uh, but with anybody, no one else there, just me. My wife, my sister was away at camp, so I'm ten years old, and I find uh, my mother dead in the morning. So. These kind of things start building something in you. They start telling you, buddy, you're not really worth hanging around for. So to young, as a young child, and you're very, very uh, vulnerable at those kind of ages, so you've got a father that goes, I'm out of here. Your mother goes, well, I'm out of here. You kind of figure, well, you know... And in those days, they didn't handle things well. You know, they didn't say, well, you know, the kid's going to need someone to talk to or whatever. You know, just had a bunch of old people telling you dumb stuff, you know. <laughs> And so um, I remember travelling out and my, my dad, bless his heart, sent me in to tell my sister that my mother had died. She was at a camp and we brought her home. So my father moved back into the family home. Um, he was still an alcoholic, so he was still incredibly abusive. 
And so over the years, things just began to deteriorate more and more and more uh, to the point where they thought, well, we'll put him in boarding school because his dad can't look after him. There was a bit of an inheritance that had been left from my mother's family. So they used that to put me into a boarding school. Here's a great idea. <laughs> no one else wants you. Let's whack him in a school <laughs> where he lives. <laughs> yeah, live in a school. I mean, that's a weird idea, but anyway, that's for another day. Um, and unfortunately, we had large dormitories. And on the weekend, most of the kids would go home. So you're in, a, you're in a school, you're living in a school. So you get up and you eat breakfast in a room that would be bigger than this, that normally house probably two, 200 kids at least, boarders who had gone home. So you're sitting at these massive tables eating breakfast on your own. Kind of weird. There was no visits or letters or whatever. So over these years, it was beginning to develop in me, not, not thinking this through, but just thinking, well... I guess, you know, you're not really that good. You're not really worth coming to see or there's no one to come to see. So I guess that sort of thing started to build, you know, stronger and stronger in my life. So I become a naughty little boy, as I suppose, and I began drinking at a very early age out on the streets in a place called Coogee, for those of you who know um, Sydney, and um, at Maroubra. Some um, nasty pieces of work down there. But all the guys down at Maribor, it's all those guys. And Lorraine's here tonight, and Lorraine knew me when I was naughty. <laughs> how old were you then, Lorraine? Yeah, how, how, how old were you? You're 14. And so, can I ask, how, how old are you now? <laughs> hey, okay. So I was three years, so I would have been 11. So you, can, you, you remember what was... I mean, the crazy age, the age of us kids and what we were getting up to and drinking and just doing crazy stuff. And then we started doing a lot of drugs, obviously. So it was all, all part and parcel of it. And I guess unbeknownst to me, all that is just going in to continue to uh, build this thing in me. And uh, I hit the road, I ended up uh, probably 14, I think I took off up to Crescent Head with Steve Penn and Darcy and, and yeah, Lorraine knows all the, all the boys. And, um, and I just started travelling, I travelled to Queensland, I lived in Crescent Head and Byron Bay and uh, Coolangatta and Western Australia, so I just travelled around, but just as a kid. It was amazing, it just... I had no direction, I had no north, you know, just hanging out and going surfing, enjoying myself, uh, took, took a lot of drugs, uh, I'm not, that's not something I think, oh, this was good, you know, don't, seriously, don't take drugs. <laughs> seriously, they want to legalise cannabis, I mean, ask some old people. Yeah, ask some old people, what do you think, you know, there's so many messed up. Older people. Because they say, oh, it's fine, or whatever. I'll tell you what, no, nah, I won't go into it. But so, so anyway, I, um, I ended up um, meeting up with a youngster up the back here, Sir Pastor Eric Harrison, down at Kira. And we hung out together and went surfing together and naughty together. And uh, we ended up travelling to, to Sydney. And um, we ended up meeting these two lovely ladies, Kathy and, and Christine, who had actually grown up together. And unbeknownst to us, 
just the God working through people's lives. And we all lived together then in Sydney. Seven of us wasn't there in a two-bedroom place. We stored everything in one of the bedrooms. We were hippies. We were, we were just hippies. We were looking for truth. We, that was one thing we were doing. We were looking for truth. But anyway, Eric and Christine left and went to New Zealand. And um, uh, they found Christ over in New Zealand, through, again, through some mutual friends. He found you. I love it. In that, didn't know he was lost. Yeah, found him behind the couch. Um, and became Christians. And it was at that time that my life completely unraveled. And uh, I became uh, completely housebound. Um, I was having massive uh, panic attacks. Um, and unbeknownst to me, and it wasn't until years later that I was diagnosed with PTSD, obviously, from what had transpired with my mother, that sort of thing. Um, and the help back then wasn't what it is today, and you didn't talk about anxiety or, or whatever, you just... I thought I was going crazy. I, I was actually thought I was losing my mind. And I, I remember... And we'd, we'd look f- for God in all sorts of places, in Buddhism and Hinduism and all of these things that we thought were cool. And, uh, and I remember falling on my knees one day in my lounge room and just crying out to God, God, if you're real. Now, I, didn't, I went to a church boarding school and yet I never got the gospel. I went to church every morning and I never got the gospel. Every morning. And... Uh, and anyway, God, if you're real, if you're there, I need you to come into my life. And my wife was pregnant with my second son, our second son. And, um, and I thought, I don't know how I'm going to cope with this. I can't even get to the hospital. We, we lived in Palm Beach. I couldn't get across the road to the beach. I couldn't, I, it, it, it was just an insane time. And, and I thought, and I didn't know why. I thought the only people that I can think of that would be great to have around at this time, is Eric and Chris. And it was that day that I got on my knees and prayed. It was that day. I got a letter from these guys and they said, we've sold everything and we're coming to Australia. Oh, this is incredible. And it was within days and they arrived. And I still remember the pulling up outside with the, the Holden station wagon with the, the big um, trunk chest tied to the, tied to the top and they... They, um, <laughs> with, Corey, with Corey in it. <laughs> and, uh, and Dan, just puts uh, these kids grow up. And it's just been, we've had an amazing journey with Eric and Christine. But these people brought me. And I thank God, not just for them, but for the Bible believing church that they found Christ in, that transformed their lives. So the same God that transform, transform their lives, they brought to us. And I remember that I was in such a state and at the worst that I'd actually become, and I think Kathy rang Eric and Chris and asked them to come down, and I'd ended up just in a corner, in a ball. I wanted to, I wanted to check out. I wanted to commit suicide. It was the only way out, just to stop what was going on. And I remember... It, Eric got me and he stood me to my feet and he said, I want you to repeat this after me. 
For I have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and of a sound mind. And I've got to hardly get it out. Oh, I can. Again, come on, again. You're going to fight. He says, you I can do this. This is all there is. This is all I've got. This is all I can give you. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. God has not given me. And that started me on a journey of reading my Bible and starting to get the word of God inside me. Because if I was going to survive, if I was going to live, if I was going to be a father and a husband, I had to do something and I had to fight. Not everybody maybe has got to fight that hard. I don't understand a lot of things. But as I began to take hold of the word of God, it started to change me. And I started to get bits of paper and write scriptures on them. For even though your mother and father have left you, I will never leave you. This is in the Psalms. And I write stuff on, on bits of paper and I put them in my pocket and I'd go across and walk across the road to the beach. I non-stop just kept the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. I got a tape and put it in a tape machine. It was like a replaying tape machine um, or an answering machine. And you can get these endless tapes. This is back in the tapes days. There'd be four CDs. You know. um, but so what I did is I found scriptures that really impacted me, that spoke about my situation, and I, I recorded them, my own voice, and then I, they'd play all night, over and over. Bless my wife, probably what, what got her saved in the end. <laughs> but played them over and over and over and over. So all night while I'm asleep, I'm getting the word of God. During the day, we had New Testament tapes that would play all day. I'd read the Bible from the front of the back, front of the back, front of the back, front of the back, and my life began to change. Now, I didn't have, a sh- I didn't have like a, a wake up one morning and go, well, everything's all fine. And I still battle with stuff. But my life now, compared to what it was then, is unrecognisable. Don't underestimate what you have to take to people. The word of God. This will transform a life. This has transformed my life. People like Eric and Christine, they weren't going to be here tonight. This is the kind of people they are. <laughs> They've driven all the way from Harvey Bay, come home, and as Christine said, we grabbed some cheese to eat. And they've driven here for the night service. These people started this church. Saturday mornings, he goes down and cleans. He's, he's a senior pastor. Word of God has transformed these people's lives. So they brought me what they found. So Peter says, look, come, let me show you the one. Leading people to Christ. They didn't didn't say, look at us, look at us. They said, look at the word, look at the word, look at the word. The word of God will transform your life. As I said when I started tonight and this morning, If the word of God is the word of God, then it has the power to transform and change a life. There's people here tonight, and I know it. You only got to get a room with this many people in it. And I know the situations that are going on, thinking, well, I wonder if I can change. I went through that. I'm, 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 
I'm too far gone. I'm just too far gone. I used to try and get to places as I started to travel a bit more and I'd go to other meetings, other church meetings, you know, during the week and that. And I'd sit at the back and just hope someone would call me out and, and have a magic word over me and I'd be transformed and I'd travel the world telling my testimony. Well, well here I am and this is it. <laughs> and it's no different for me, no different for you, that you would hear and understand what God wants to do for you. That we would open ourselves to that. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's going to take some, some guts. It's going to take some good friends that stick by you. And maybe you stick by them and help people through. People, we've just got so much to offer this hurt and broken world. That song, who wrote those songs, by the way? Was it? Wow, they're beautiful songs. I love hearing songs about people that are saying that they were broken, that God's changed, touched their life. Our world is just crying out for that so much. People that are broken. You know, Kiriani shared tonight that you've got all this stuff in your world and, and, and Jesus just comes says, yeah, I'll have you just as you are. And you weep over that because you know what it is. The woman... The alabaster vial that broke that and poured it over his feet. He who is forgiven much loves much. I sometimes wonder whether my life, if it had been all good, that I would never have found Christ. That would be a great tragedy, greatest tragedy. But in turn, he knows more than I do and he's allowed me to journey through that. But he didn't leave me there. And daily, I walk with him, literally, hand in hand. It's something I do in my waking moment, in my private moment. I walk with him. I have a father. God will transform your life. You've got friends around you that have been through things. And I'm not saying that Good counselling is not good, you know, good professional counselling. I'm 100% encourage that. But they need you. People need you. Carry the gospel to them, just as Eric and Chris did for us. Transform our lives so you can do to them. And you can take with absolute confidence this word and tell them that this will change your life. You've got nothing, nothing else to give them, but you can give them this. We've been made custodians of the word of God. Learn it, live it, eat it, breathe it, and give it. It will transform a life. Now, just every, every head bowed and every eye closed. I just... I just want to do this because I know how many meetings I've sat in. I used to, I used to cry through whole, through whole meetings. It'd be a, we used to meet in a hall that had a wooden floor and I'd stand, be standing in a puddle by the end of the service with God just ministering to me. I'm just going to ask you tonight, if you're here, I want to 
I don't want to pray for you out here. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to do that. But you are crying out inside, God, it's me. I don't know if I can even believe that that could happen. And I want to say to you tonight, if it can happen for me, it can happen for you. It's the same God. And I just want to pray for people that are here tonight that might be in a place of torment and fear and loneliness, despair. Lord, I just pray for people tonight that they might be encouraged, that they too would turn to your word and embrace it, hold it to their chest. I used to kneel next to my bed in times of just absolute despair. And I'd hold my Bible to my chest and just rock back and forward with God. I'd read it over and over and read it out aloud and God would come. I want to pray for you tonight that you would discover that, that you're not alone. You're not a mistake. There's someone here tonight and you think you're a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. As Kitiana said, see, I formed you. Even in your mother's womb, i got a plan for you. I can see you. And I'm reaching out into your world right now. The road might be a bit rough, but it's going to get better. I'm a supernatural God. I'm bigger than your problem. I'm bigger than your situation.